Hello, you're listening to the Fixer Crown Podcast. I'm Crystal. And I'm Jenny. Join us in our journey through this wild and crazy life as we discuss tips and tricks for how to handle the difficult times as well as how to embrace the wonderful times. Through our honest and open discussions, which are full of humor and compassion, we hope to help you feel empowered to take control. So come along with us and let's build a life we absolutely love. Welcome back to the Fix Her Crown podcast. I'm Crystal, and I'm back with my lovely co-host, Jenny. Hi. Hello. I'm so happy you're back. I really enjoyed the last episode, though. Yeah. That was fun. to. Yeah. Li- it was like I was a listener. <laughs> <laughs> you got to see it from the other side, uh-huh. the good side, <laughs> not the nitty gritty side, because let me tell you, this episode we're about to do, I felt like I was back in college doing like a thesis (laughs) i know you probably feel this way with the other podcast for Uh sure oh my gosh it's like a whole research project i feel like i could do a whole entire class on gary ridgeway (laughs) gary ridgeway 101 yeah yeah and if (laughs) if you're into true crime you should check out our other podcast warped and wicked podcast we did a whole we're still in the middle of this (laughs) whole series about the green river killer which is gary ridgeway so it's fast check it out But today, my research (laughs) is over the Enneagram, which I know we have been talking about for a long time. And we're like, we'll do this in a future episode. Well, here we go. We're here, It is now. The time has arrived. (laughs) Now, I wouldn't say like we're experts on the Enneagram, but I'm very fascinated by them. And I use it all the time. Like, I follow various Enneagram experts and have listened to several podcasts covering the subject. Some of my favorites to follow on Instagram are Enneagram Ashton, Tracy O'Malley, and Enneagram with Abby. I took this test, like, oh, I think it was, it was a few years ago, like 2019 or 2020. I think it was 2019. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I made everybody take it. I made Jenny take it. Yep. I didn't make her, but I asked a lot of people to take it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad you did, too, because I had never heard of it at all before then. And it was very interesting because when I took it, can I go ahead and tell them what I am? Sure. Okay. I'm a two. Yeah. So, and you'll hear all about that here shortly. (laughs) But it was very interesting because it told me, like, everything about me. Yeah. Like, even the... Even the sour parts. <laughs> right. It does do that. It does reveal and, a lot. Yeah. And it like basically called me out. But at the same time, it made me feel better because I'm like other people feel this yeah, way. Yeah, there are other twos <laughs> out there in the world. Yep. So one of the important things is that you can use the Enneagram to help you like understand yourself, mm-hmm. but also understand others too, which I think is super important. I think the best way to learn about them is just to break them down into bite-sized pieces because there's nine of them. (laughs) (laughs) What we're going to do is we're going to discuss them by their triad or what some other experts call them, the centers. But before we do that, let's give them a little bit of a history lesson on the Enneagram. Hi, guys. (laughs) You know, I think I've said this before, but... If I could have chosen any other career, it would be to be a history teacher. Yeah. So I think that says a lot about me. (laughs) Yes. How predictable and 
boring I can be. Stop. <laughs> I love it. No, you just like to dive into like the background of things. I do. Yeah. It's terrific. I, I wonder that about other, you. I want, thank you. I wonder if other type twos are that way. Maybe. <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. So for the sake of time, we won't get into the full history because we do want to spend more time talking about the Enneagrams themselves. But the first thing you should know is that Enneagram has been around for several years. And I know we just said, like, I've only known about this for three years. Yeah. So I'm just as shocked as you are that it's been around for several years. But it's also been cited that components of the Enneagram, like the symbol, can be traced back to as far as at least 4,000 years. Wow. Yeah. It's insane. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And it was in the works of Greek philosopher Pythagoras. The symbol was reintroduced to the modern world in 1915 by George Gurdjieff. But the nine-point system we see today was researched and developed in the 1960s by a man named Oscar Ichazo. Through many years of traveling and studying, he discovered how these nine divine forms and their ways of thinking connected with the Enneagram symbol and with the three centers of human intelligence, thinking, feeling, and instinct. Yes. Very interesting. Yeah. This is a great segue into talking about each Enneagram, because like we said before, there are nine Enneagram types, and they are lumped into three different triads or centers, which Jenny has just mentioned. Thinking, feeling, and instinct. Now, the thing we want you to remember is that learning your Enneagram is not about knowing how to change yourself or others, but rather it's a tool to help you better understand the motivations behind the decisions you make and giving you the opportunity to improve how you respond in different situations and in your relationships. And it can also lend you a deeper understanding about the people closest to you, which is why I ask everyone to take the Enneagram. (laughs) (laughs) Something else I want to note about the Enneagram is that it's not about behaviors. It's more about your motivations, which is driven by your core fears and your core desires. Mm -hmm. The three triads, again, so the heart triad, which is the feeling triad, The head triad, also known as the thinking triad, and then finally the gut triad, which is also the instinctive triad. So, Jenny, can you guess which triad we belong to? Hmm. I would say it's probably the feeling triad. (laughs) The feeling triad. So I'm sure everyone is shocked right now. (laughs) I just have so many feelings. (laughs) Exactly. Mm, We do a podcast about feelings, so, you know. (laughs) Okay. And like Jenny said, she's a two, and I know you've probably heard me say before, but I'm a four, Mm -hmm. which is a part of the feeling triad, which is the first one we're going to discuss. Not because we are the feeling triad, because it's the first one. (laughs) So the heart slash feeling triad includes Enneagrams 2, 3, and 4. So those who belong to this triad typically use how they feel to guide them in making decisions. So we tend to be very in tune with others' emotions and recognize when someone needs support. And we crave connection with others and seek recognition for a self-sense of belonging. When our needs aren't met, we feel like we aren't worthy enough. So the first one is the type two, which is Jenny. And this one is called the helper. So if you know Jenny, you're probably nodding your head. Yep, that (laughs) sounds like Jenny. 
So as the name suggests, type twos are always there to lend a hand and act as a support system for family and friends. They are motivated by their need to be loved and needed at all times. They are extremely giving to the point of ignoring their own needs. They really want to be liked and have a strong fear of being disliked by others. So they will do anything to ensure that they fit in. They tend to ignore their own boundaries for the sake of others. So their strengths are caring, they're warm, giving, values, relationships, and service. Their faults, they focus so much on what others need, they don't acknowledge their own needs. And my children will tell you that too. (laughs) The basic fear, so being unworthy of being loved, being unwanted or unappreciated, and their desire is to be loved, wanted, and needed, and appreciated. So does any of that... It's all me. (laughs) It's all me. I also think that this is like the helper is, I mean, all nurses are different, but I yeah. feel like a lot of nurses got to be a yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Maybe we should dive into like occupations for oh, each. That's a good idea. Yeah. I like that. So type three is the achiever. Type threes are success oriented and extremely driven. They are motivated by their constant need to be successful or at least to look successful to others. They do everything they can do to avoid failure. They never want to look like they don't know what they're doing. And they put a little too much focus on what others think of them. Okay. So, I know we're going to mention wings. Yeah. I swear to God. Are you a two-wing three? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That can happen. Oh, yeah. So, the strengths of a three, they're adaptable and able to succeed in almost any situation productive and image conscious their faults they feel their worth lies in what they can do and accomplish rather than who they are their fears are to be a failure or to be seen as incompetent or incapable and their desire is to be successful efficient valuable and respected now type four the individualist (laughs) type fours are motivated by the need to be as unique as possible They never want to be ordinary. They're also very focused on feeling all of their emotions. Their moodiness can hinder them. Hmm. And they can (laughs) have a fear of being flawed. So their strengths are to be creative, sensitive, introspective, unique, understanding, empathetic. The basic fear of a four is being inadequate, to have no identity, personal significance, or being defective. And their desire is to be meaningful based on their inner experience, to be unique and significant. Woo! That's you. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know about the jealous and moodiness. (laughs) The rest is you. When I went to go take this test, I really wanted to be a seven. I feel like everybody wants to be a seven. Do you you think everybody wants to be a seven? Yes. (laughs) And just so you know, my youngest child is a seven. (laughs) He sat there and took that test. Was it when we had like a thanksgiving dinner together yep and we asked him what he was and he said a seven and we were both like yeah that makes sense that checks that checks checks out (laughs) so the next triad is the head slash thinking triad so this includes types five six and seven those who belong to this triad use how they think to guide them in making decisions they tend to take longer to make decisions 
They tend to be knowledgeable people who love to delve into the interesting unknown for higher understanding. I really would like to know like different careers and different types. Yeah, I think that would be interesting. Like, this could be people in like criminal justice yeah. and stuff like that. So Josh took the Enneagram when he took it before, like, I kind of was like, do it, do it, do it. And, uh-huh. you know, he's a typical man <laughs> sometimes or like, gosh, dang it. So I think he was taking it in a rush to just uh-huh. like do answers. Yeah. And sometimes when you take it thinking like you want to be a certain mm-hmm. way versus how you are. Yeah. So the first time he took it was an eight and then... He took it like recently when I was talking about all the research and stuff and yeah. really diving into it. And he's like, let me take this again. And he turned <laughs> out to be a five. Ooh. So it's good to know. So type five is called the investigator, also known as scientists or professors. Type fives love to learn. They're consistently striving to conserve energy and learn more about the world. And this tends to make them very private and detached. They can be secretive and not very social. Okay, so that part about not being very social is not Josh. Yeah, so I, th- <laughs> I think he might be with a wing. Well, yeah, so maybe yeah. a wing four, maybe. Maybe. Uh, also, yeah, because this man makes friends no matter where he goes. <laughs> like this one is of true. their really good friends is a couple that they met at a concert. Oh yeah, and they've gone to several more concerts together. And like you guys went to their wedding. Yeah, didn't we went you? to their wedding, and they came here for Josh's fortieth party. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and they're very, very nice people. I'm glad I got to meet them. Yeah, a couple times. Anyways, guys. <laughs> so for type fives, their strengths are knowledgeable, curious, insightful, and analytical. Their faults are they struggle to connect with their emotions. They're very detached and they tend to be a loner. Basic fear is to be useless, helpless, or incapable. And their basic desires are to be knowledgeable, capable, and competent. And then the type six is also called the loyalist. They're motivated by fear and the need for security. Loyalists are the most common type. That's good to know. They value friendship and loyalty, but they are also worst case scenario thinkers. They like to be prepared for the worst and feel anxious if they don't think they're prepared. Strengths are they're committed, practical, witty, great in a crisis, and always prepared. That's good. But their faults can be that they can be anxious at times and they sometimes struggle with self-doubt. Their basic fear is fear itself and being without security and support. And then their basic desires are to be safe and to have support, guidance, and security. Mm. And then type seven (laughs) is the enthusiast. Right. So this is a positive, fun-loving type. Type sevens are spontaneous and motivated by a need to be happy. They never want to be tied down and they're almost always full of energy, which, geez, that would be fantastic. Right. (laughs) Lend me some of your energy, please. They never want to feel any kind of emotional pain or discomfort, so they do everything they can to keep themselves busy and having a good time. Their strengths include that they're adventurous, always planning something fun. They love having new experiences. But their faults are they struggle with recognizing limits and they tend to overexert themselves. They can struggle with doing fun things in order to avoid internal pain. Their basic fear is missing out, so they've got major FOMO or being trapped in emotional pain or negativity. And their basic desires are to be happy, positive, content, and satisfied. So I know we had talked about Josh a little bit. And like some of Mm -hmm. these things are like, "Mm, he is very sociable. 
and makes friends very easily. Yeah. So then that kind of questions like, okay, so how is he a five, but he's still very sociable? Well, each Enneagram has a growth line and a stress line. Those lines mimic other Enneagrams. The growth line for an Enneagram five is an eight. So when they're like at their best, they're like sociable. They are very decisive. Um, they cheer other people on. Like they're they're more positive, I guess. Now, me being a four, my stress line is a two, which is Jenny. So us together, when we're not doing our best, we can be pretty dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> but like they mimic other things. Me at my best is a one at their best. And my sister's a one. Okay. So that like, makes sense. And we grew up together. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just found that really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's a deep dive. And <laughs> it helps you understand though. <laughs> <laughs> the last triad is the gut instinctive triad. So this includes eight, nine, and one. And those who belong to this triad use their intuition to guide them in making their decisions. They are typically very action-oriented, persistent, and natural leaders. So the first one in this triad is type eight, also known as the challenger. Type eights are motivated by their need to always assert strength and control over everyone around them and never to look weak and vulnerable. They can be described as defenders or protectors and they always know what they want. So they are natural leaders, but they are also obsessed with controlling everything around them. So their strengths include being direct, being protective, and they have that take charge attitude. Their faults, sometimes they can be confrontational. Sometimes they feel like they always need to be in control. And sometimes they feel like they have to get what they want. Like they need that. Their basic fear is being seen as weak or controlled by others. And their desire is to protect themselves and others. Then we have the nine, which is the peacemaker. So nines value harmony, comfort, and peace. They always feel like they need to keep the peace to avoid conflict at all times. They go with the flow and tend to let others take control so that they can make other people happy. Their strengths are they're very pleasant, laid back, and accommodating. Their faults include, you know, sometimes they can explode with anger because they keep things in for too long and can be too complacent sometimes. They fear conflict, being loveless, or disconnected, or like lost. Their desire is to have peace and stability in their internal and external world. Can I have a wing of a nine too? Right. <laughs> Type one, which was my sister that you listened to last week. So they are the reformer or sometimes referred to as the perfectionist. They are motivated by their desire to live the quote-unquote right way and to always avoid fault and blame. They are so intent on being perfect that it can backfire and they can often be too hard on themselves and others. Their strengths are that they're ethical, dedicated, reliable, and they strive to help themselves and others be the best they can be. 
Their faults, they can be very critical, especially to themselves, and they tend to see things in black and white. They do fear that they are a bad person or that they're wrong or corrupt, and their desire is to be good, have integrity, and always doing the right thing. I could definitely see Gavin being a two with the wing, wing one. one. Yeah. yeah. So now that you've heard some of these, I'm sure there's probably one or two that resonate with you. So when you take the test, know that you'll have a dominant type, but you can still resonate with other types as well, which is completely natural and normal. Yeah, and the most important to your personality is your dominant type. You can have a wing number, which can only be the numbers on either side of you. Right, like we had discussed, like, again, like, so I'm a four, so potentially I could be a four wing three or a four wing five, but not everyone has a wing number and some experts don't really agree with it. But I honestly think it depends on the person. So maybe we can dive into that into like another episode. Yeah. Do occupations and then wings and then we could go honestly several different routes. Yeah. <laughs> we I can, mean, we can do a whole ass episode on one of these types. Yeah. I mean, there's, sure. there's podcasts that for are, each. Yeah. That are, are. In, on in the agreement. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you let us know. If you found this episode to be helpful and interesting, and if you do take the test, which I highly recommend, let us know what number you got. I really am curious. Me too. I love hearing what other people's Enneagrams are, and I literally ask everyone to take the test. <laughs> like we mentioned before, it helps you better understand yourself and the people around you. Totally. So if you love this episode, please share it with a friend or share it on social and tag us at Fix Her Crown Podcast and rate us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. It'll really help us reach other listeners and build mm -hmm. this beautiful community. Last but not least, we hope you have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye.